Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. How are you guys doing? Welcome over to the channel. If you guys like to listen to audio podcasts, please do me a favor. Click the link at the top of the description and go follow us over on Apple, Spotify, wherever you guys get the podcast. And please leave a review. It helps out a ton. So you can listen to stuff when you're on your way to work or sitting at school or I guess, yeah, don't do this when you're at school, but driving home, whatever it is, go check us out over on the podcast side of things. So just speak the truth. It'll be linked at the very top of the description. So today has actually been a very interesting day thus far. Like when I mean pretty interesting, I'm talking about all over the world. We have to get through this thing and it's ranging literally from all over the world as well as not just solely in Ukraine, which has been pretty much the case the last five months or so. Now I want to go ahead and start off the day leading up to Pelosi visiting. She was going to be visiting Taiwan. You all know this. She's also already landed uh, here a few hours ago. So the Chinese have actually ramped up this crazy talk leading to her initial departure okay, from the United States, saying that they would actually shoot down her plane if she attempted to make this trip to Taiwan. Now, I will say they did take some pretty serious precautions when it comes to making this trip, and they decided to ground everything related to China. This is the sea, you know, South China Sea. That's where they try to go around. They even added eight U.S. F-15 fighter jets and five tanker aircrafts that were, of course, going to refuel these things. And this, these were going to help them get into the country safely. And they actually came out of our base inside of Okinawa, Japan. So out of Japan. And even before her arrival, we ended up actually moving two, yes, two aircraft carrier groups and two amphibious assault groups into the region. Like They were like ramping this thing up very heavily. So we have two aircraft carrier groups inside the area. China only has two aircraft carriers as a whole. So you guys are aware. Then the day before her arrival, the Biden administration officials actually warned the Chinese government not to take escalatory, wow, that's kind of a tough word, escalatory <laughs> actions during her trip and emphasized that the potential visit would actually, it would, it would not mark a shift in American foreign policy. Now, the days leading up to her arrival with the rhetoric, it, it seemed to get a bit more ramped up. That is coming from the Chinese Communist Party, that is. Now, they go on to some, some of the same talking points we have seen from bullies in the past when it comes to Russia, China, whatever it is, and how they're going to hold us responsible for all these serious consequences. But the thing is, they never really actually dictate what those serious consequences are. Like, with a little bit of research, you can probably make a judgment call that the Chinese were actually never going to do anything about this first trip. Like, this was nothing more than just posturing and tried to, to, to appear really strong. Like, 80% of Chinese economy, that is the Chinese economy, relies on America. So there's one thing. And after just a little bit more digging, you will actually realize their economy isn't doing as well as you would assume. I mean, they've been in lockdown multiple times over what you guys know, the strand is what I'm going to call it. 50% of the country currently, yes, 50% of the country has currently stopped making mortgage payments. They've almost shut down certain parts of their economy for months at a time. Like, what would you expect to happen? Like, anyway, this, it's, these are just minor things, okay? They're just minor. Like, who cares if a civilian population can barely do afford to even pay their mortgage? That's not going to stop them from entering a very costly war with a country that is literally 80% of their country's revenue. So throw that one out there. So, but you know what? Put those things aside and see how they, they may have tried to make themselves look to the world. 
Now, this video was actually posted right before her visit to Taiwan. So the clip you were about to watch is actually, uh, I, I had to actually remove the audio because it, for some reason, the Chinese government decided to use 3-6 Mafia. Yes, the rap group from the early 2000s, 3-6 Mafia, for their hype music in this video. And the whole video got copyright strike. So here you go. Look, we have, uh, we, it's basically just a bunch of Chinese guys running around acting really mad, coming out of the water. Look at them running through the woods. Look at that face. He is freaking mad. Now they're flying around. There's a lot of clips. I mean, this had to take them a long time to put together. I mean, this is not something like, look at that. Look at that shot. Ooh, the pan shot with the drone. Way to go. They probably did it with the DJI. Amazing. Has a really cool feature on there for that. So way to go. Oh, now they're running again. Oh, they're, they're, they're reacting to contact. Like they're about to get, they could not, they couldn't have picked like, a, like a, a better looking rocket launcher than one that looks all beat up. A training one that is. Oh, look, now we're back in the sea, or we're back on air. I, I think they're just trying to paint the picture that they can beat us land, sea, and air. Doesn't matter if we try to attack, which America's not going to attack China, so I don't really know what this video is even for. But it's, it's to let you know that the Chinese Communist Party is, is ready for action. They have their land, sea. They can do barrels in the sky. I mean, look at this. They can refuel in the sky. That's pretty neat. And they want to show us that they can drive around their missile launchers and hit that button. Oh, we hit that green button. There's always, and I'm glad it was shot with cell phone footage because I forgot to get that shot. They're like, all right, you guys need to go back to the field and get that one shot of you pushing the green button. And look, now they're shooting. Oh, they hit a building with a, with a rocket. Way to go. This is, this is really terrifying footage. I guess they haven't been watching a lot of America's footage because we don't really make these kind of videos because we don't really need to because, well, we are the, the superpower in the world. When you're at the top, you really don't need to tell everybody that you're the best. Oh, my God. Look at all those guys. Oh, he's so mad. Look at his fist pumping. That's all I can think. All right. Oh, the sickle and hammer. Yeah, it's got you guys real far in the world. The two countries that want to have the sickle and hammer are still number two in like 20. So way to go. Oh, God. Look at you guys shooting from the ocean onto the, your own. Like, that's really cool. Look at that. Basically, you just caught, you're wasting a bunch of fuel. I have no clue what that says right there, but I'm sure it's really angry. Really angry. Like, really angry. Now, you know, looking somewhat at this video, it's, it's a long video, but they're a legitimate enemy. Like, they really have a, they're a real threat to America when it comes to uh, how well equipped their men are. They seem really, really, really angry for some reason. I don't know if it's just because that's what the, their language sounds like, but they really do sound pretty angry. Now, on the day of her arrival, they were really ramping up this rhetoric by announcing that they were going to move both of their aircraft carriers, that is the Chinese military, out of their home ports. Then they started having these very large convoys or columns, whichever you like to call them, of equipment moving through the streets of Fujiwan province towards the coast. And to make the even more bold statement, they decided they needed to actually drive, yes, drive around their international, or excuse me, intercontinental ballistic missiles, which, by the way, have a range of 12, yes, 12,000 to 15,000 kilometers. Yes, intercontinental ballistic missiles, 12 to 15,000. They had to drive these things around. For what reason? I don't really know. 
Like, why do you need to move these things 20 kilometers closer to Taiwan if they literally can touch 15,000? Is this not really just a show of force? I don't know. Now, an even funnier clip is the fact that they, okay, it is kind of goofy when you think about it, but they had the Chinese actually put some tanks on their beaches. They're rolling around on their beaches. I, I don't really know what this was for. But after putting these tanks on the beach, to try and stop uh, the Taiwan from invading for some reason. Or maybe they're going to take these, these tanks and just float them across the, the, the canal or the strait or the OC or whatever they're called. I, I think it was mainly just done to impress the local population, which it did. And it got the internet to make all these videos about the Chinese rolling equipment and how they're going to be prepping for war and whatnot. But anyway, after her landing, Nancy, of course, you know, she had to tweet out to let the world know that everyone... This everyone that her discussions with Taiwan leadership were going to reaffirm the support for her partner, our partner, that is the United States, and promote our shared interests and in including advancing a free and open region. We all know that's not going to happen. That's not really a thing. If China is involved, it's not going to be a thing. Honestly, I'm really glad she went. And I said this the other day. I really hope she does. And she did. Like, I'm not really a big fan of what she does here in America because it it doesn't really matter. Like American politics right now, they're really goofy. I don't really like her as a whole in America, but it doesn't really matter. This shows that America is still the superpower in the world and China is going to be very embarrassed. They were trying to throw around this rhetoric and say, yeah, we're going to shoot you down and nothing happened. Now looking forward, what are they going to do or plan to do? Because it's only a few hours since she's landed. And it, we've made them look pretty stupid. I'm just going to throw that out there. I mean, they can't really, they don't want to seem weak to their population. And honestly, the Russian outlets that I do follow, that I mainly get a lot of my, my info from, we're really excited about them taking some aggression out of the United States. But that's that hasn't really panned out too well because I can tell you right now, the China, uh, the Chinese military doesn't really know what they're, they're going to do. But they did announce, by the way, they did announce they're going to be conducting military exercises and training activities, which will include live fire drills in six separate areas surrounding the uh, the island of Taiwan. This is going to happen between Thursday and Sunday. So what is that, four days straight? Now, I was looking at these little sectors, I guess you would say, and they're literally surrounding the entire island. So you're going to have, I, I don't know, that's a good question. Is Pelosi going to be there when these are going on? Or are they waiting till she leaves to start them? And they also closed off all the airspace above this area between Taiwan and China for civilian aircrafts. Like they can't fly through. This is, this is, this is nothing more by the way, than a child getting mad because they could not get their way and then following up by throwing a massive temper tantrum. That's pretty much what China is doing currently. Now, some big news also coming out of, well, it's a pretty big deal coming out of the Biden administration. I want to give them a round of applause. So I just want to give them a slow little clap here because they have now taken out a, a 9-11 mastermind, the co-host or co-host, the co-mastermind, I guess you would say, of the 9-11 attacks that happened in New York. Now, he was hiding in a safe house inside of Kabul under Taliban protection, which is somewhat ironic in the sense that the guy who was one of the masterminds of the 9-11 attacks was being protected by the Taliban, who was most likely protecting him with weapons that were left behind by the Biden administration 
a couple of months ago. I don't know. That doesn't really matter right now because it, it, anyway, it doesn't really matter. Now, this gentleman stepped out on his balcony apparently and was hit with hellfire missiles. Now, whenever he moved out of Afghanistan, uh, or moved, we moved out of Afghanistan, is the Haqqani network had moved him in to Kabul. This is the gentleman we're talking about. And then he was identified to be living in the home next to a former U.S. embassy compound. Yes, and just down the street was the, I think it was the British compound as well. Now, you want to know something is really crazy? He was taken out by a drone, which we know that was clearly flying at a very high altitude. And the variant of missile that was actually used did not have explosives in them. Yes, it did not have explosives. These missiles actually just had a steel blade, steel blades on it, which then smashed in the balcony, taking him out and not injuring anybody else in his family. So imagine this guy, this biggest scum of the earth, was diced up by flying rockets like something you couldn't see and or hear. All this should be for you guys is don't be a scumbag terrorist and the United States will not hunt you down with giant blades. That is... Well, that's actually pretty terrifying if you think about it. It's very futuristic. Like flying flying scissors, essentially. Now, the more I'm working on today's episode, by the way, is the more I'm realizing we're like in a weird spot in the world's current state. I've said this many times. We're like in the 1930s, but present day, modern 1930s. Like now we have China and Taiwan, then you have Ukraine and Russia, and then there's some issues going on in Kosovo, which is crazy. Uh, not to mention the issues that are constantly going on in Africa. I don't ever touch on those, but let's go ahead and talk about Iran once again. Now, Iran is now vowing to build nukes if they are provoked. And apparently they claim they're going to be turning New York into a hellish ruins. Kind of weird. I don't want to burst Iran's bubble here, but uh, New York is already a little bit hellish, and it's mainly just ruins as of late. So they won't really be accomplishing much there. It's also getting kind of comical at this point because... All these countries are just claiming they're going to take on America with military might as if they have some sort of real chance. Like, not to deviate from this, this Iran thing, but just last week we all know North Korea said they're, they're ready to take on America's military themselves when they can't even afford to feed their civilian population. And this is coming from two Telegram channels, by the way, that have posted the same video that's claiming to have quickly started building bombs if the U.S. makes any stupid mistakes. Now, these same channels claim that there's a secret underground facility in Fordow. Fordow? Fordow. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. In Fordow. If they're putting it out there, the U.S. knows about it. Anyway, they're close to um, apparently making uh, the, the, the Islamic Republic into a working nuclear power and warned that peaceful nuclear programs could morph into a weaponized one. Now, I watched the video. It's not even good enough, honestly, to share with you all in here. It's, it's maybe good enough to barely make it past a high school film class. Uh, but I'm just going to point out the obvious. Uh, they're claiming that they're going to take on these so-called peaceful nuclear programs and then turn them into weaponized ones even before they're made. So that was probably the original reason why we don't want them to have nuclear capabilities in the first place. They don't even have them right now, and yet they're talking about using them as weapons. By the way, if you live in New York listening, I just want to say I was slightly kidding about the city. It's very beautiful. Just do us a favor and clean it up a little bit. Anyway, another former Kremlin advisor. Yes, a Kremlin advisor has been hospitalized. This is not funny. Uh, it's, it's, this, it's the second one I know of. Uh, he goes by the name of Anatoly Chubis, and he's resigned after Russia invaded Ukraine. So this guy clearly is not for the Russian invasion. He, he left just afterwards. He was a prominent fixture in the, uh, the 90s, by the way, Russian politics, and he's been an ally of Putin since the early 90s. Uh, he oversaw the privatization during the Russians' transition to a market economy. Uh, he became the chief executive of Russia's power monopoly. Uh, pa pa excuse me, power monopoly. 
before Russia actually invaded Ukraine, he was actually Putin's international uh, climate envoy, or he served as a he served on it. It's better, better way to put it, I guess. He's also one of the highest level Russian officials to resign from Putin's government since February. He's been diagnosed with a rare syndrome in which the body's immune system attacks the nerve, and apparently specialists were wearing chemical protection suits when they examined the room in which he had uh, suddenly become ill. In I, I do believe the last time we heard about someone close to the Kremlin who opposed the war. Uh, was was getting some type of chemical-type reaction. was back in March. One of the oligarchs had blisters started peeling all over his face and his hands. I think he was doing a meeting between uh, Turkey. He was in Turkey or something. Uh, don't hold me exactly to that because I, it's been a few months. It's literally been like five months or so before the thing. But I, I, I believe this actually happened once before. Now, the Ministry of Defense of Russia, uh, the Russian Federation, that is, has reported that they have been allegedly destroyed at high Mars. and then They released a video proving so. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC. Yes, what you saw was correct. That was apparently a new version of the High Mars that works on the second floor of a power plant building. So, congrats, Russian uh, military. You have now taken out a High Mars that's inside of a building uh, somehow. We, I don't know how that's possible. But anyway, the Russian Ministry of Defense has now actually said the Biden administration is responsible for all Kiev-approved missile attacks on residential neighborhoods and civilian infrastructure inside of populated areas, which apparently we all know has caused mass deaths of the civilian population. Now, this is somewhat strange uh, claim, of course, because it's, it's it, well, we all know it's it's not true. It's, it's just one way for them to actually try to paint the, appear, uh, the picture that America is the bad guy, but they're basing this all these facts off, apparently, American intel, alongside with British intel, has been tracking down Russian spies and supply lines. That's, that's where they're basing this off of. Now, I don't really know how they are going to correlate each other, but I guess America is now responsible for all the Russian artillery that has been shot into the buildings and turned the cities into rubble. I don't really know how this possibility, but they're claiming it. And speaking on the fact that they turned cities into rubble, please take a look at the recent video that is coming out of Mariupol. Now, Russia has been building the ghost bridges down in Kyrgyzstan with these radar reflectors. I've seen photos. I think I started seeing photos like three days ago or so, but I wasn't really sure what they were for, so I never really mentioned it. They just looked like big, bright triangle things in the water. Like, I'm not fully sure, like, what they were for. Like, I didn't. I didn't know. Like, I didn't. I, like, for one, they're not going to be effective against 
Ukrainian stuff for the most part. I mean, a lot of the stuff they're using right now is GPS guided. You know, like I'd see I could, it could be effective maybe with like infrared or maybe some sort of deception purpose because they do show up on satellite imagery and they, they look to be like a real bridge from far away. Like they really do. Um, an imagery that is a floating one, at least. Like anyway, you'll see inside this video, it's very clear they are they're there and the Russians are attempting to let the world know that their, their makeshift ferry is is a crossing and it's still up and running. Now, if I know about it, the whole world knows about it. The Ukrainians know about the thing, so just let that be known. The last thing we're going to speak on before moving on to uh, some mapping is the fact the Institute for Study of War has said the Russian forces are responsible for the killing of the 53 Ukrainian POWs that happened here a few days ago. Now, if you do not know what I am talking about, I advise you to go listen to my previous episode because we dive deep into this topic. One of the things we did discuss is the fact that the Russians claimed that the HIMARS hit the prison and took out the camp, killing all the prisoners, which we all know wasn't true because somehow the HIMARS didn't target the Russian guards. But according to the ISW, the attack only damaged one building without collapsing its walls or leaking uh, or leaving, that is, any shell craters. Inside the vicinity indicated that the destruction of the prison was the result of either a precision strike or an internally planted incendiary grenade or incendiary device and or an explosive. Now, this goes back to what we discussed in the previous episode. And it had to be done by the Russians. And, I mean, we saw some of the brutal stuff that they were putting. And it was very, very brutal. And I do not recommend anybody go watch it at all. Like, do not go, do not go search for it. It was terrible. Now, let's move on to something. That has a little bit to do with the what's going on inside of Ukraine itself on the ground. Now, there has been two separate attacks that are happening in the northern part of Kiev, but for the most part, once again, this area really isn't the focus for the Russian military as of just yet. And oddly enough, it seems like these areas are just rotating on which area or side they really want to push through. And the two areas they try to push through, here in Rubazine, just north of that, and on this main route, E-105, that comes in. They try to push through, nothing came of it. Now, right now, they're still stalled out, that is, on the southern side of Izium. And it looks like there was two separate Russian recon elements that were actually attempting to push through Dolnia and Dovenki, but were actually unsuccessful and have, have actually retreated. Okay, now, I, do, I normally don't do this without getting confirmation, but from what I can find, it seems that the Russian element that was inside of Boho Rodichain has now retreated to the opposite side of the river. Okay, so we're looking at the Russian element that was inside of the city. I'm pretty positive they've retreated to the backside of this river and the area Dolna all along here. These people have started the retreat. So I don't really know what's going on. And Dovenki is, of course, just north of here. So the Russians are now losing control of this area and they're pushing more north back towards Izium. I said it wasn't likely that they were going to hold this area. That is Boho Rodichain. That is the Russians due to their inability to actually resupply. And then they also had to deal with the northern element of the Ukrainian pushing down on top of them. But I think they did make the right decision for pulling out of this area. I'm going to go ahead and say Dovenki is going to get lost, or they're going to lose Dovenki over the next day or so if they cannot maintain. And that that that, that really, like, like what, what are they trying to do in this area? What are the Russians trying to do in the Izium area? They weren't able to push towards Slovenas from here. Are they going to retreat back here, move these men out? I don't know what's going on. Like, this may sound kind of crazy, by the way. I've seen from a few different sources that are claiming that the Russians are now shifting their manpower from the Eastern Front and pushing more and more and more of their men down towards Kyrgyzstan. Like, I could see this being a possibility if they don't want to lose this area. Uh, it seems somewhat goofy because this would be the third time during this five-month war that they would have been forced, yes, forced, to allocate men from one side of the country to stop the bleeding the other side. Like, that is, like, we are talking, like, I'm going to go over to this map real quick. 
the the more the bigger map. So here we go. We've seen them shift men from. It's actually not even on this map. From from Kiev down to Kyrgyzstan, or excuse me, Kharkiv. That didn't pan out. Then they shifted these men all the way around here. They gained some ground, as we know. All these little red blocks you see over here outside of List Chance. We know that they gained a little bit of ground there. Now they're stalled out here on this front right here. Now they're, now they're making another push, which we'll talk about here in a second, just south of Backmount. But are they really shifting all of these men over to Do you see how far that is? The logistical nightmare to get these men down to this area is absolutely insane. But anyway... Just wanted to throw that one out there because I, I, I keep seeing it. And I'm like, God, I don't know if I believe that. Maybe it is true. Like, I do know for sure that the Russians have been making some progress just south of Backmount. All along this eastern side, literally this entire area right here, they have done nothing. Literally nothing over the last two weeks. Crazy, right? Like, it's pretty crazy. Like, they have been shifting all their air, air assets and artillery assets inside of the region of Backmount, all the way through here the southern side. Now, it goes back to what I believe to be the case. Remember, ridgeline, 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 all through right there. I think this has a lot to do with it. I think they're running into some, they're realizing they're having some terrain difficulties. And if you guys are listening over the podcast, we're talking about the northern side of Bakhmut, all three directions, there's, there's ridgelines. And they're realizing, wow, we probably need to maintain and get control of these routes. Like they're currently on the edge of Solodar right now and have been attempting to gain some of the ground over the past few days inside of this area with little to no success. So they have moved up. There roughly is a lot of fighting going on just on the edge of Solodar. But remember, on the backside of Solodar, what is it? It's high ground. Like I told you guys this around a month ago. They're going to be able to get to this main road right here that leads out of Backmont. But getting past that and getting through that, that, that really high ridge line is going to be very, very difficult. Okay. Now we're going to move south here. Uh, they have made a little bit of progress actually down here south. Uh, just south of Backmont, that is. The Russians have been amping up the attacks around the town of Avika and have made some headway towards the town of Piski. So just right here is Piski and just outside of Avika. They are they are adding up or uh, starting to actually maneuver some men down inside this area. But the Russians have lost some ground. Okay, now we're on the southern front. They have lost a little bit of ground, by the way. Uh, there's an advancement of a Ukrainian unit that's moving towards the town of Polohoy. And I, I, I will say they've lost a good chunk because over the last 48 hours... The Russians have lost roughly about this, which is a pretty good chunk of ground, especially with that main route leaving out of Polohoy going to Hulipol. Like, we know this is all open ground, really long terrain. I'm still not entirely sure what the goal is for the Russians in the southern front because they really haven't made any big moves since the beginning of this war. But we're going to shift over to Kirsten. For all y'all that know where Kirsten's at, we're going to be shifting. We were just sitting roughly right here. Now we are moving over to Kirsten. All right, Kirsten is going to be the last stop for today's episode. And I will say... The Russians inside this country of now are inside of uh, Kyrgyzstan area. The 42nd Combined Arms Army is the Russian element that's inside of Kyrgyzstan. Is control of Kyrgyzstan as of right now. Has been trying to maintain some sort of link to the southern shore. Okay, We all know these bridges along this line have been blown. Okay, We know that's that's to be the case as of right now. They need to maintain this, this, re this river that goes through the Dnieper River is fairly wide. And you're not going to be able to just throw up a pontoon bridge really quick. But they have a pontoon ferry set up which the entire world knows about, like literally everybody. And I'm sure that's going to be targeted daily. But this ferry does provide a very, very small amount of resupply for the 42nd to keep their men fighting in this area. It does not provide them with a solid option for the element to actually retreat across the river if need be. Like, I don't really know what the entire plan is here for the Russians. I don't really even know where they're going to go because they're so much stranded at this point inside of Kyrgyzstan. The only resupply route will be targeted daily by the Ukrainians. Like, they got to figure out, the, the like, some other route along this river. Like, they have to. I was thinking maybe up here by the dam. Maybe you should shift a little bit more north. I'm just going to throw that out there. 
Like if you're t- being targeted daily inside of Kirsten, but the thing is now they have to drive along this entire route to get resupplies into Kirsten. So that's why they're having this ferry up and down right here. So I don't, I don't really know what they're going to do, nor do I really care what the Russians do. I'm just telling you guys what they probably should do. So you should probably rethink this through. I know that uh, there's a chunk of my audience that is Russian that listens and I don't know. I'm just going to throw it out there. Kirsten's not looking too hot. The Russians have also reinforced on the northern front of Kirsten, which we're going to go up here, just shift around a little bit up here on the northern side. Okay, they've attempted to push back in some of the areas that were actually previously occupied all up here, basically just along this edge. They've been trying to push back. But once again, I don't really see what the end goal is here in the side of this area for the Russians if they do not plan to continue their push north towards Kiev. They're just wasting manpower that should be shifting probably back down here and gaining control because right now they do not there's no way for them to get, get connection on the opposite side of the river it's just not going to happen so they need to maintain the ground down here where they can get resupplies of men i would rather if i was in their their shoes i would rather lose a little bit of ground to maintain the city like if that thing's cut off all those men in the north there's no need for it then they shouldn't even be there so actually they shouldn't be in the country in the first place but i hope you guys did enjoy this episode i do love you guys i will see you guys here tomorrow the next day with another one i am out